Listen, one of the things that my mom used to tell me when I was growing up, and you probably have told your own kids this, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you, Davey. She used to call me Davey. My name's Dave. I said, Mom, are you sure? She said, Dave, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. Then I went to school, and guess what I found out? Mom was wrong, because they said some things that I'll never forget. <laughs> For a matter of fact, I remember one thing they used to say to me all the time. I'm going to turn this mic down just a little bit. One of the things they used to say to me is, because I had a half-inch gap right here in my teeth, they used to call me Pumpkinhead. And I don't know if it was because I was balding so early in my childhood and I had that half-inch gap, but I'm putting the two together and I'm realizing that's probably why they were calling me Pumpkinhead. So I lived with that for a very long time and I realized that words matter. They do. They really do matter. For, for some people, they might say, I'm strong enough not to be defeated by people's negative words. But the reality is, words, they really do affect us. I, I want to talk to you a little bit about why words matter and words that do matter uh, and how they can help us. You know, there was, a, um, there was a Nazi back in World War II. He was a German minister, and he said, if you can tell a big enough lie and repeat it enough, people will eventually believe it. And because of those words, Hitler held on to that concept and that's why he had such a strong influence during World War, World War II because he would repeat the same thing over and over and over again until people were just infiltrated with these ideas and they eventually believed them. If we say something enough, whether it be good or bad, false or true, eventually we are going to believe that. For instance, you're studying for a test you, you make it a point to repeat the question and the answer over and over and over again because you want to be ready for the test and you want to have those things memorized, right? Here's what they say. They say, if you can repeat something three to ten times a day for three days, you will have those things memorized. But they need to be spoken because spoken words matter because you hear them. They come out your mouth, they go in your ears, they go in your brain, and they stick with you. And the reality is, with us, they could be good words or bad words, but those words eventually stick with us if they're repeated over and over and over again because words matter. Spoken words are powerful words. That's why God, at the very beginning of time, spoke the worlds into existence. Everything was spoken to in existence by the spoken word of God because that is power in His words was the power to put the planets in place, life in place, everything we know it in place because he spoke it to be. So words matter. And those words that we hear matter to us. So let's talk about that a little bit, okay? Here's the reality. Just like when you're preparing for a test, you say the words over and over again to get those in your mind. Often you'll say words that you've convinced yourself are true about yourself. Let me illustrate. Words are powerful to the point, according to the book of Proverbs, they can either bring life or death. For a matter of fact, the book of Romans chapter 8 and verse 6 says it this way, to be carnally minded is death and to be spiritually minded is life 
and peace. Which What that means is when the words come out your mouth, the spoken words, they'll go in your ear and then in your brain. And eventually through that, they'll begin to program the way you look at yourself. Okay, y'all following me? And they'll either bring life or death to who you are. They're either going to make you successful and confident or they're going to make you feel defeated and depressed. So the words you say to others is important, but the words you say to yourself are just as important. So there's a verse in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. It just clears this all up. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is of good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Now, if you take your little booklet out there, the one that had the song lyrics in it, flip to the back of the booklet and you can follow along with me and, and listen in, but also focus in on what I'm saying because I've put it all in there for you to better understand what, what we're talking about, okay? It's on the last couple of pages. And so what I want you to do is this. I want you to pay attention to this verse because I want to talk to you about how you can remove what this verse says, the corrupt words from your life and replace them with edifying things, edifying words. Now watch. How do we stop using corrupt words and start using words that edify and help us? Well, you have to remove and you have to replace. I'm going to be very elementary with this. Okay, let me, let me illustrate, all right? Let me use this beach ball. This beach ball has a purpose. The beach ball has a purpose, and the only way the purpose is fulfilled for the beach ball is if the beach ball is filled up with air, correct? Everybody with me? <laughs> very elementary, right? Now, here's the thing about the beach ball. It's a lot of fun. It's colorful. It's interactive. It's made for people to play together with it. It has a purpose, but the purpose is possible because the beach ball is inflated. It's built up. It, this built up, another word for built up is this, what this verse says, edified. What happens with people is they forget what they were meant to look like, their purpose. Because what we do is, instead of building up, we start to pull away from that and start declining in the way we think and the way we live because we are no longer edifying, we're corrupting the way we think. Let me show you. I'm going to take this real quick. and I, it's, I'm going to use this knife as an illustration. There are words in our lives, in our life, that we allow. Worthless words, I put them up here, this big mouth we have up here. It might be hard for y'all to see a little bit. Worthless words, negative words, destructive words. And what those words do to us is they slowly deflate what we were meant to be. The, the Bible calls them corrupt, which means decaying. It pulls away from your mind the mind of Christ. It, it, it pulls you from understanding what you were meant to look like in life and your purpose in life. So when we use negative words, it's like a dagger to your heart. And eventually you don't think about it, but your, your worthless words, the words you're using that are worthless, are words that don't bring value to your life. And then you have these words that are negative words. Words that, reflect the, the, that, that don't reflect the positive elements about your life. And when you say those words, they also are penetrating to the heart. You also have destructive words that, that are not focused on helping, they're focused on hurting. And they start to penetrate the heart. And what eventually happens through that is you see what you were meant to look like changes. Because those spoken words that you use against yourself, the negative, the worthless, and the destructive words that you're speaking are corrupt. 
and they remove what you were supposed to be as an individual, edified and built up with purpose. And the more you say them, the more you use them, the more defeated you are, and eventually you feel worthless. You say to yourself, I am worthless. Look at me. I've got to a place in my life I just I can't drive anymore. My mom was on the phone with me the other day and she said, it drives me crazy that I can't drive anymore. I feel so worthless. She said, I feel like it every day. She said, not only that, she started saying some negative things. She said, my eyes are so bad that I feel like it's going to affect everything in my life. I have no purpose anymore. I am no good. I can't do this anymore. What's the point of me being around? And then you get destructive. I may as well just die. You know what that is? Corrupt communication, just like Ephesians says. And the more you say it, the more deflated and defeated you become, and you're no longer built up to be the person you were meant to be. And those spoken words are so powerful, they make you feel worthless. And the more you say them, the more it goes out your mouth, in your ears, into your brain, and then you start to believe it. And when you start to believe it, it changes who you are. And when you change who you are, you're no longer who you were meant to be. Is everybody with me? Yes, so what are we going to do with it? All right, I'm going to be so elementary with this because I am a simple person. And I want to be simple in the way I present this. In order to change the way we speak and have words to live by, we have to remove the negative, worthless, destructive words from our vocabulary. But we have to take it a step further. We don't just remove them. We eliminate them. Job, would you come up here real quick? Can you help me, Job? Job, where's Job at? I think he's in the room. One of you, Job, are you in the back? I think he's back there. I'm going to get Job to help me real quick. And so what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm not a Listerine person. I'm more of a scope person. Listerine, it tastes like diesel fuel. If you ever had diesel fuel in your mouth, I don't know really what diesel fuel tastes like, but I'd imagine this is what it tastes like. Now, I don't drink Listerine, but I just don't want it in my mouth, period. But I know it's powerful. Look at this guy. Are you awake? Were you back there sleeping? Are you with me? This is Job. Everybody say hello, Job. Yeah, Job's going to help me. Job, we need some mouthwash in here. Don't make a mess. Take that. Dump it in there, would you? Don't be scared. You got it? Pick it up. Careful, careful, my friend. All right. Yeah, I'm already nervous. Okay, dump it all the way in there. Okay. All of it. Yeah, that a boy. Don't that smell great? Uh, don't you wish your dad would use this? <laughs> All right, put that over to the side, old buddy. Put it over here or over there. Let's put it over here. I, I need you to do this. Grab that word worthless off there. Can you grab that? Take that off there. All right, pull it off there. Good boy. What I want you to do is I want you to take this word. We removed it from our mouth and the way we speak, but we need to eliminate it now. All right? Go ahead and put it in the mouthwash. Just drop it in there all the way. All right, let's see what happens. Put that one in there. Get the negative. We need to remove that from the way we speak, too. Can you pull that off there, Job? You got it? All right. Do your best. There you go. Throw that in there, too, Job. All right. We got another word. It's destructive language. The words that hurt more than help. Let's pull that off there, too, Job. Can you do that for me? All right. Put that in there, Job. All right. Now, you notice they're not dissipating right away because when you remove words from your vocabulary that you've used for years and years and years and years, it don't happen overnight, right? 
If you're a negative person, it takes a long time to become a positive person. So when we remove those things from your mouth and we want to eliminate those things, it takes a little time. Can you stir that? I'll hold it. You stir it. You stir it. All right, let's go over here. Stir it up. Just, yeah, make it happen. I'm a little nervous. I usually use water, not mouthwash. Maybe we should have used water, huh? Just keep on stirring. Let's put it on the floor. You stir it until they are gone. All right, you take your time. I trust you. Yeah. Here's the reality. What happens with people, they say, my New Year's resolution is to become a positive person. I'm not going to say destructive things, worthless things, negative things. I am going to do better with my spoken word. I'm not going to gossip anymore. Ooh, yeah, how about that one? I'm not going to share my prayer request about my neighbor, which is really just gossip. Like, have you heard about Susie? She is not doing well. I heard she's getting a divorce. We should pray for her. But let me give you all the details about Susie. <laughs> I don't know if that's a prayer request or you just want to talk about Susie. You know what that is? That's negative. We remove it. And now we have to eliminate it. Let's just stop right there. It's a little chunky. It'll do. It's not as pretty as I hoped for, Job. I feel like this illustration failed a little bit, but you get the point. We remove it. We eliminate it. But we take a step further. We have to replace it, Job. So what we're going to do, Job, is we have to have words to live by. If we remove the corrupt communication, the Bible says we have to have good communication, which is words that edify. Is everybody still with me? Y'all with me? Seriously. Raise your right hand. If you raise your left hand, you're done messed up. All right, you're with me. We call these words of edification. These are words that build us up. They, um, they're words that not only help us, but help those around us. Uh, sometimes these words uh, can be used in such a way that you speak them every single day. So you've programmed your mind to understand this is who God is meant for you to be. Affirmations is often used. But people that use affirmations without the Bible have missed out on the reality of what affirmations are really about. Affirmations were meant to build us up biblically and spiritually, not just socially, economically, or personally. In other words, you take a mirror and you say, I am good enough, I am smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. That's my affirmation. That's what I declare. Let me, ha let me just give you some news. You're not good enough. We're all failures in some shape, form, or fashion. We need to recognize those mistakes in our life, and that's okay. And we are not good enough to get into heaven. We, we rely on the grace of God. We are not perfect people, but we don't focus on those things. We recognize those things. When you start focusing on them, you speak them, they go out here, they come in here, and they go up here, and they program you to think a certain way and become negative. I understand that I'm not perfect, but I know who I am in Jesus Christ. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and I have a purpose as long as I still have breath in my body. And so I want to use words of affirmation that come from the Bible. You're going to help me, okay? Let's go ahead and start with a word like this one. <clears throat> God comforts me in all tribulation. Put that up there. Anywhere you can put it, all right? Just stick it up there. The Bible says that God himself in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, comforts us in all tribulation. I want you to understand, the world is tough. How many know that? Raise your hand. If you're not raising your hand, you're either tired or you just don't believe it. <laughs> it is tough, but I know God comforts me in all my tribulations. Spoken word, it's truth. Not only that, let's do this one. How about this one? Put this one up there. I am sufficient in God. Let's replace 
the negative with this one. I am sufficient in God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3, 5, but our sufficiency is from God. You say, I don't feel sufficient enough. I don't feel like I'm enough. You're just right in God's eyes. Quit cutting yourself short. You're sufficient in the eyes of God. And you need to understand that and you need to speak it. Not only that, the Bible says, I will not fear. We need to speak that. Put that up there somewhere. I will not fear. Psalms 23 and verse 4. David said, I'll fear no evil for thou art with what? Me. Yeah. Life is tough and it is hard and you can get scared over things that maybe you shouldn't be scared over. People get paranoid, like, I'm so terrified that I'm going to get COVID. I'm so terrified I'm going to get mugged. I'm so terrified I'm going to get a car wreck, and so on and so forth. And they live in a bubble, and they, not, they never trust God. And that fear becomes part of the way they think, and the way they think now becomes a part of who they are. And who they are now is identified with fear. But here's my declaration. I am sufficient in God. I will not fear. God comforts me in all my tribulations because that's... What the Bible says, but it doesn't stop there. Look at this one. My voice is heard by God. How many have kids or grandkids? Raise your hand, raise it high. Y'all know what I'm talking about when I say this. You ever said something to your kids and they act like they didn't hear anything you said? If you're married, you ever said something to your spouse and they say, I didn't even hear you. You know how that feels? Especially if you're a woman and your husband says, I, I didn't. I don't even know what you said because I'm not paying attention. The reality is God is always paying attention. He hears you. He acknowledges you even when you feel like he doesn't. But I confirm that because the Bible says this. Psalms 116, 1 through 2 explains that he hath heard my voice in my supplication. That's my request. But he doesn't stop there. Look at this. God is my helper. It's tough to get help nowadays, especially when you need it. But I'm glad that the Bible makes it very clear, according to Psalms 121, verse 1 and 2, that God hears my voice, He supplies my needs, but in verse, verse 1 and 2 it says, I know that He is my help when I am in need, and my help comes from God. I know and I'm confident of that because the Bible speaks that. And I can speak that and I'm confident in that. For a matter of fact, the Bible says this, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And if my God can make heaven and earth, then my God can supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. But it goes on a little further than that. And I love this one. God heals my wounds. Now here's the thing. Some of us have some brokenness in our life and we can't get past it up here. You said, I failed as a mom. I failed as a dad. I wish I could go back and fix it. But eventually you got to stop harping on it and let God just work in your heart and understand you're doing the best you can for it right now where you are in your life. You give it to God, do your best and forget the rest. That's all you can do. And the reality is God will start healing you. Psalms 147 verse 3 says, He heals my broken heart and he, and he binds up their wounds. That's our wounds too. Now, He doesn't just hear our prayers when we're needing healing physically, but sometimes we need it mentally and emotionally, and we have to trust God with those things. Check this out. It keeps on going. I love this. These are words to live by. Seven, God is my strength. Can you put it up there anywhere? It may not fit in the mouth, but put it around the mouth, okay? God's my strength. 
Now, this may surprise you, but I'm not a really strong individual. You know, my son's over there nodding his head. That's right. You can leave now. <laughs> but here's the reality. You may not be strong physically, but you can be strong spiritually. You can trust God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And our strength comes from the Lord when we rely on Him and try to just trust Him and stop trying to figure it all out on our own. And when that happens, God intervenes. The Bible says in Psalms 37, 39, He is their strength in the time of trouble. When we need Him most, if we'll step back and quit trying to do it all on our own strength, He'll intervene and take care of it. These are my affirmations and words I have to live by and you have to live by, but it don't stop there. God will guide me forever. It doesn't stop three weeks after salvation and you become a Christian. It's not seven years or 10 years or 15 years. God continues to lead and guide you if you're a Christian until the day you die. So breathe in and breathe out and realize as long as you have breath in your body, God is still there to guide you and help you. And he's better than any GPS that you could ever have. But I love this too. Look at this, Joe. Put this one up there. I will not give up. I'm not going to give up. Because I know who I am in Jesus Christ, I cannot quit. Man, when you first got married, there's times you wanted to give up. You're like, I just can't do this anymore. Why did I say I do? And then you get past that, and you're like, I'm not going to give up. And then you have kids, and you're like, what did I do? No, what did you do to me to have this child? This is horrible. Now I have to tolerate this little one. And then you get past that, and then you have another one, or maybe a third one, or a fourth one, or a tenth one. God help us. I don't know if I can get past this. But here's the reality. You never gave up in those areas of life. God has a purpose for your life all the way through from the beginning of your marriage to your kids, to your grandkids, to your great-grandkids, to this season of life that you're in right now. You cannot stop. Don't give up. You're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. And you need to declare it with your mouth out loud that I know I have a reason and a purpose and I will not give up. And I know I don't need to give up because the Bible tells me, for in due season we shall reap if we, if we lose heart. Don't lose heart. Don't faint. Don't quit because we can't give up. He's with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. I love how Galatians 6, 9 explains that. Let me read it again for you. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. You know how easy it is to get so discouraged it goes from here to here and when you give up in your heart, then things really start to fall apart. Here's another declaration, and I'm going to finish because I only have two more. I will trust God. Will you put that up there somewhere? Anywhere you can put it there. I will trust God. When I, when I am afraid, the Bible says in Psalms 56 verse 3, I will trust in you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And he'll direct your paths. I have to declare with my mouth, <laughs> I will not give up and I won't give up because I trust God. I trust God. And I can trust him because I'm loved by God. You can, I'm going to go high on that one for you, okay? You can trust the fact that God loves you regardless of who you are. You said, man, if you knew my past and what I've done, God doesn't care. He loves you exactly for who you are. And he's willing to do something amazing in your life. You say, what is that? Because he loves you? 
you can know, I am forgiven. You put that up there. I'm forgiven. The Bible makes it very clear that nothing can separate us from the love of God according to Romans 8, verse 38 and 39. But I know according to Ephesians 1, 7, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of His grace. I want you to know today that God has a purpose for your life. And the more you say corrupt things the more likely you are not to see God's purpose for your life. You need to remove the corrupt communication from your life and eliminate it. Make sure there's no remnants left like this, all right? And after you remove those things, you need to replace. And the words that you replace in your life need to come from God's promises. And always reflect and remember what God says about you.